This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. Yes, sir. Happy February, you guys. How's the year starting off? Are you getting after it with a fury? Are you getting those miles in? That cross training? That yoga and meditation? Are you training to do big things this year? I hope so. I'd like to thank everyone that joined me on social media for our January challenge of 5,000 squats and 1,000 push-ups. There was a whole mess of folks that reached out and said they were going to join us. And honestly, I think there was only a handful that stuck stuck with it all the way till the end and completed it. Uh, it was a pretty lofty challenge. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to practice what I preach. And I had this really stupid idea that I would do double the numbers every day. Yeah, I'm kind of an idiot, Uh, but I'm happy to say in the month of January, I did 10,000 squats and 2,000 push-ups. The push-ups were easy. The squats were what was tough, and I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm glad it's over. I think I need to do like a yoga challenge for February every day just to straighten my body out after all that nonsense. Like my man JT Habit said, uh, when God made me, he touched me with excess. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty dumb idea, but as a coach, I want to make sure I'm always doing what my athletes are doing and, and if possible, usually double. The ridiculous part was I'd, I'd fall behind for like a day or two and then I'd have to do like 1300 squats to catch back up. Uh, one day I put on a movie and did squats for like an entire hour and a half movie. It was ridiculous. Like, and, uh, my knees were making all these weird noises every time I did a squat making like these crunching sounds and I was starting to get knee pain. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad it's over and yeah, I'm pretty stupid. Uh, but I'm glad I, I stuck with it and I'm happy for all the people that joined us. Uh, this weekend we are going to be at stories ultra marathon in Cheyenne mountain state park here in Colorado, pacing folks who are out there getting after that 24 or 30 hour challenge. It's supposed to be cold. And it might be ugly because we'll be up going all night long. But regardless, uh, we're going to be out there pacing people into the finish. Please come and join us. If And if you need a hand, flag me down. If you sign up for the race, tell them Big Things Crewing sent you. My guest today is a nutritionist as well as an ultra runner. I couldn't wait to talk with him because I had a lot of questions. And most of my questions had, uh, am I doing this right sort of flavor to them. I feel like my nutrition is pretty good, uh, you know, other than my sweet tooth that calls my name out a few times a week. But hey, you know, we all have room for improvement. Uh, So I figured why not talk to someone who is literally in the same world as me, exercising in the same way and doing the same things I'm doing. Will Benitez is a really open-minded nutritionist and knows that everyone isn't the same. 
So there's no cookie cutter nutrition plans here. Plus, he coaches a lot of really high-end athletes and ultra runners. I learned a lot while talking to him, and I'm happy to announce Will is also going to be supporting the podcast. Please don't hesitate to reach out to him if you're struggling with your diet, or even if it's already good, but you want to get to that next level with your fitness. Mention the Do Big Things podcast and get 10% off his services. How cool is that? This is a great date. Uh, it's a great deal for the Big Things listeners, and uh, it's a partnership that I hope continues on for a long time. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Great tasting, non-alcoholic craft beer made with high quality, all natural ingredients with low calories for the active lifestyle. No matter your motivation, if you want to keep a clear head and drink healthier, they are here for you. They've made it their mission to brew non-alcoholic beer that doesn't compromise taste, quality, or our healthy, active lifestyle. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Check them out at athleticbrewing.com. Get 20% off using the discount code McRobertsA20, all caps. That's my last name and first initial, M-C-R-O-B-E-R-T-S-A-20, all caps, for 20% off some non-alcoholic beer that's winning contests all over the globe. This stuff is awesome, and you can have one in the middle of the day without worrying about driving. Uh, you can have one for lunch. You can have one before a workout if you want. There's no alcohol. I, I love taking them with me up in the mountains and having myself a little treat when I get to the top. Look them up, athleticbrewing.com, and use my discount code. Remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you are supporting this podcast. Now, please put your hands together for Mr. Will Benitez from On Pace Wellness. All right, here we are. Um, it's the Do Big Things podcast, and my guest today, Will Benitez, uh, nutritionist, and uh, I've got all kinds of questions for him. So, uh, and by the way, man, I think you have the coolest hair of anyone that's been on the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't, I don't know what that list looks like, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's kind of Afro-ish, but way cooler, man. I, I bet you a lot of people are jealous of that hair. Yeah, I've gotten that quite a lot. And, and you know, I, with with COVID, uh, I, I really let it go. I usually kind of keep it a lot shorter. But uh, like with many people, I was like, well, you know, the hairstylists and, and barbers and all that kind of stuff shut down in the beginning. Yep. So I was like, already had to go months without one. And then I was like, I'm kind of loving it. Let's just yeah, keep it going. Why yeah, not? Just rock it out. <laughs> Looks good, man. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I can't do what you're doing, Adam. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I really can't like it's, it's the, the follicles <laughs> aren't there. So it, it all shows up up here instead. I got the beard. You got the hair. So between the two of us, we're good to go. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Well, thanks for joining me. And um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just give us a little intro. Tell us who you are, maybe a little background and how you got into nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks for the introduction. Uh, my name is Will Benitez and uh, I am a nutritionist based here in Portland, Oregon. But uh, even before COVID, I pretty much work almost entirely remotely, have a lot of clients all around the country and also uh, international uh, clients as well. And uh, do a lot of performance-based nutrition. So I work with a lot of athletes and, and, and not even so much athletes, people just that, you know, 
either do or want to live just that active lifestyle. And I love it, right? I'm here for um, weekend warriors to people who, you know, just walk their dog, but they just mm -hmm. want to kind of breathe easier while doing it or just feel better, you know, day to day. And, and I love supporting people like that um, who have that kind of drive and, you know, value nutrition in that way. Um, but a little bit of background on me. So uh, originally from New Jersey, I mentioned uh, here in Portland, my wife and I have been here now for uh, six years, actually this month. Um, but we're both from New Jersey. That's where we met back in college. And uh, I was actually a teacher before this. So my first route of, of uh, education was in education. I got my, uh, my master's degree in education at a state school, Rutgers University uh, out in, uh, in New Jersey and uh, taught for not that long. <laughs> uh, I was at a school that just wasn't for me, you know, and, and at the same time, actually, my wife got into medical school here in Portland, which is what led us, led us here. Um, and I was all too eager to get the heck out of New Jersey and get the <laughs> heck out of that job. Uh, it was my first year teaching and, and again, I love teaching, but the, the, uh, the school and the, the, all the background stuff wasn't for me. And so, yeah, I was too eager to say, you know what, let's get out of here. I think we, we showed up nine months before she was getting uh, started <laughs> with her program. Cause I, I just really wanted to get here and have a change of pace and a change of scenery and all of that. And so actually that is what led me to nutrition. I mean, I'd always been interested in it. Um, you know, did I do it right? Am I doing it right now? Who the heck knows? Right. But, uh, I, even in high school, like I, uh, I, I know I definitely, you know, looking back did plenty of things wrong and, and I wish I hadn't cause you know, who knows where I would be now if, if I kind of did everything right. Um, but, uh, I still kind of like thought about it. Right. And thought like, oh, this is the right thing to do. Like I, I, I at least knew that there was something to food. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in college, you know, me and my wife, uh, she was a collegiate um, diver, uh, so you know uh, athletics was a big thing for her. And uh, I, I ran recreationally. I, I joined the club team uh, and, and you know played soccer with buddies and stuff like that. So I was pretty active. Um, and you know both of us just kind of together felt like we wanted to get healthier. Um, I also come from a family that's kind of uh, got a lot of health issues just throughout, like just everywhere. <laughs> um, and and so I think that played a part in like me just paying more attention to food. And, and how I, you know, treat my body through food and, and kind of use it more as nourishment versus just pleasure, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so when we, when we finally came out here, uh, again, wanting that change of pace in my career, my life, um, I sought out, you know, a change in career at the same time. I substitute taught for a little bit. Again, I was in education. So I did that just to kind of get by and, and get us settled here in Portland. Um, but uh, uh, I learned that there was a master's degree program in nutrition uh, that, that uh, was just a couple extra classes uh, I became eligible for and uh, went that route, got my master's degree in, in, in an accelerated program here in, in Portland uh, at a medical university and um, uh, started my own business. And, you know, fast forward, here we are. I mean, this was probably four and a half, five years ago or so. Um, and yeah, it's been an exciting ride. Wow. Um, what kind of, uh, issues was your, was your family having, was it like sickness or were you able to help them at all with your nutrition or what did that look like? Yeah. So if, if, if my family's going to tune in here, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hear it later, but, uh, it, it's, it, it's all of that, right? Like it was a, a lot of sickness, a lot of, uh, just lifestyle stuff. Um, 
things that you know I would call um, more or less preventable with changes in diet and lifestyle. Um, but that's just kind of how it was for some of those who have passed away and, and how it is for some of those who are currently kind of dealing with it and, and that's their life. Um, but, but I know, you know, that, that nutrition can, can, and does certainly play a role in a lot of that. I mean, I think, again, that was probably part of the impetus behind, you know, getting into nutrition. I think personally, a lot of it was about athletics and like being my healthiest, fastest self for my sports performances and things like that. Um, but I do think under all of that was this drive that I know food hasn't been done right in my, like outside of my nuclear family. Um, and, and there's something to that from a health and like wellness standpoint. And so that does drive, you know, a lot of what I do now and a lot of how I view nutrition as medicine and things like that. Um, but you know, to your point about, have I been able to help them? I will say that my wife and I have greatly influenced my immediate family um, and, and hers as well, just because, you know, that's in our sphere of influence mostly. Um, but we do all we can to simultaneously be the best help we can and resource we can for them, while at the same time, over the years, realizing it's hard to help family. It really is. You know, it's hard to uh, I think, I think we're just one degree too close. You know what I mean? Like we, we both care so much and therefore get frustrated so much when, when things aren't being listened to, or we have to repeat ourselves a 10th time, or we see something in the refrigerator and we're like, we talked about this, what's going on? <laughs> you know, this isn't right for you. Um, and it's hard, you know, again, we're, we're just that one degree closer. We're, if, if, if it was a patient or a client, it, it, it's different, you know, like you don't have that frustration there. You can approach those conversations and handle those differently. But with family, uh, you know, the walls are down a little bit so you can kind of uh, have a different conversation with them. So it's tough. It's tough. And, and it all comes out of love. And, and I realize that and they know that too, but it does make it harder to kind of, um, you know, treat them or, or, or heal them, you know, uh, in that way, the best we can do, I think, and what we've done and seen over you know, so many years, uh, my wife and I being together and, and kind of being this model for them is just that it's just like, live it, you know what I mean, be that model and, and have uh, our families just see what we're able to do, you know, and, and, and by like valuing nutrition and valuing how we take care of ourselves and, and being super active. Um, and, and I mean, super active isn't, you know, I, I, I'm an ultra runner, it's not like everyone has to do that. But you know, we, we hike and we walk our dog and we just move our bodies on a daily basis. And when we don't, we really don't feel good. Um, and we just kind of live that and, and hopefully, you know, our family members see it and just do a little bit more, you know, every day or something like that. Just that, that's the approach we kind of have settled on over the years, but whew, in the beginning, you know, you want to heal everything and, and you want to heal everyone. And some people you just you can't, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, you're right. It's so weird how people, you know, they'll listen to some video, a random video online, but when it comes to their family members or someone they know, they're like, eh, I know that guy, like, how can they be right? You know, it, it, it's, it's so strange. Yep. Yep. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what sort of mistakes did you make on your journey? You mentioned that you had made mistakes, um, you know, in, in your nutrition, uh, just kind of when you were sort of getting your bearings, um, wh what sort of mistakes were those? Oh, I mean, the, the, that list can go on and on. I think when I, when I, when I mentioned that, I was thinking like, you know, back in uh, high school, early college, where you think like you do then you're doing everything right. Um, mm -hmm. 
and like I said, I, I did kind of pay attention to food to some degree, but you know, looking back, it's like, I know I was drinking way too much coffee, mm. you know, cause I did drink coffee, uh, probably started drinking coffee in like late middle school. Mm. Um, but I know I was drinking way too much coffee. I mean, especially more in college as is probably the case with most people. Um, but you know, I, I was, I was, and, and on top of that, not drinking enough water. Right. So I know I had this like perfect recipe for like being just chronically dehydrated and yet asking my body to like be the healthiest it can be. And it's like, that's not going to happen. Um, so I know that was a huge piece. Uh, and, uh, you know, on the food side, just like rationalizing, um, you know, even, even like eating out, for example, like takeout and stuff like, oh, but I'm, I'm getting like the healthier foods and then, oh, like this is protein. It's like, this is totally fine. Like all the top athletes eat. And it's like, yeah, but they're, you know, they're, they're cooking it or their chefs are cooking it or something like that. And not here I am eating it from like a, a greasy joint or something like that. Like it's, it's just not the same. Um, but you either don't know that or you rationalize it. And, and, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, I probably rationalized my way out of a lot of things and, and, and justified it to, to some extent while, you know, looking back in 2020, it's like, and I don't mean the year, just 2020 vision hindsight. Um, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of those things, you know, if, if had I known, right. Or had someone guided me or, um, uh, you know, probably would have made different, different choices and my body would have been healthier forward. And, you know, when I was running high school, college dealt with a lot of like muscle cramping issues. Like I had no, like, Oh my gosh, if I knew what I knew now, I would, you know, hydration, uh, magnesium, like pay attention to my electrolytes, like mm -hmm. what's causing all of this. You know, I, I just didn't ask those questions. Um, I just thought, Oh, I'm, I'm running too fast. I got to slow down. Or, you know, I didn't like really think to investigate and figure out like, Oh, there's something causing this and there's something I can change or do to address it. Um, and that's, you know, you just learn as you go along, but those are some of the things that, uh, you know, I, I had to have happened for me to figure out and pay attention. Right. It's, it's like when you, when you fail, you learn a lot from that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I definitely benefited from, uh, you know, failing, if you will, in those areas, because it led me to pay more attention. It led me to kind of go this route. So, totally. you know, I'm okay yep. with it yep. <laughs> if yep. that's the case. It's a journey, man. And sometimes uh, you, you got to go the wrong way to figure out you're going the wrong way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's unfortunately how I learn, man. So I, I totally got you there. Yep. Um, you mentioned coffee. So I, I'm just going <laughs> to start hitting you with all kinds of questions that you've probably heard like a, a million times from all kinds of clients. But mm -hmm. uh, um, what are your thoughts on coffee? Do you drink it? Um, is one cup okay? How do you feel? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I drink it. Uh, I'll answer that off the bat. I, I love coffee. My wife, so and I, I. actually, my co my wife wasn't wasn't a coffee drinker until we started dating. She was uh, she she's Russian American, and uh, so tea is very much like it is in, in most of the world, um, very much the go to drink. And uh, so she was a tea drinker. So she got me drinking tea, and then I got her drinking coffee. Mm. Um, and so we both we both start our day with coffee, end our days with uh, with tea. It's, it's a it's like almost ritualistic at this point. Um, but yeah, I have, you know, uh, probably at least two cups a day to be, okay. to be completely transparent. And, uh, I think, I think that's fine. You know, here's the thing with coffee is the, the issue with it, um, because it's kind of like most foods, right? Like with, uh, you know, you've got like the long, the longest like arguments of, with, with food in, in like nutrition science, um, the, the lifetime of nutrition science, which isn't that long compared to other sciences. Um, it's like, what about coffee? What about eggs? Um, 
what about sugar and fat? Like which one's, which one's the, the devil here? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all these like really, really long-term uh, discussions that have been part of the, the, uh, the, the field for so long. Like I said, coffee's in there. Um, I think the issue with coffee is, is mostly, because there's a lot of health benefits with coffee, but I think with it is mostly the dehydrating factor yeah, and the fact that, exactly, right? But it's only a diuretic after so much of it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what, what science is telling us is that probably around like 500 um, milligrams of caffeine is when it starts to become a diuretic. So that's probably uh, two strong cups of coffee. Okay. Um, or, and I, I mean like, you know, mugs, right. Cause what, what's a cup of coffee? Like that kind of varies for people. Um, but you know, I don't know, 20 ounces of coffee or something like that. And again, stronger coffee. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, but before that, right. Then, then it's not really an issue. And on top of that, if your hydration's up to par, meaning that if you're getting enough water, you know, you're eating an abundance of like plant foods, that's also really, you know, hydrating kind of foods. Um, you know, you're, you're drinking your teas, you're paying attention to your electrolytes, like you're feeling good in all those other areas of hydration, because it's not just water. Um, then, you know, maybe you can afford a little bit extra coffee if, if you know, you've got a meeting and you're drinking coffee or, you know, uh, you're finishing your, your partner's coffee or something like that, right? Like if, if you're getting above that 500 milligrams, I, I usually tell people that can be okay if the other stuff is making up for it. Mm. If the other stuff isn't there, kind of like what I was talking about when I was younger, and you're not drinking enough water, and on top of that, you're you're drinking way too much coffee. Then, yeah, that can become you know problematic in terms of hydration and actually dehydrating you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have that diuretic piece, which is totally important. I think that's at least for the clients I typically work with. That's that's like one of the number one things. Obviously, talking about athletes, you want to make sure you're not dehydrated. Um, but the other part to it, I mean, I guess there's two other things to it. Um, one of them is you know this addictive component, right? So. When we talk about like lifestyle, a lot of people do feel a lot better when they just kind of like get rid of all stimulants in their life, right? You, you talk, you hear a lot about, you know, whether it's podcasts or just things you read, um, people just saying completely no to alcohol, completely no to, to uh, coffee, anything that's kind of stimulating um, or, or stimu- like, a, like a, a food stimulant or something that's not natural um, that they can get from like experiences, for example. Um, and they just feel better off of that. And, and that's totally fine. Like you said before, like it's a journey and that's people's journeys. And if they want to do that and they feel good off it, great. I don't think, you know, coffee is one of those things that people need to live a healthy life. Um, so there's that part, right? There is this like, yeah, caffeine can be addicting and, you know, without it, you might get some headaches. And it's like, do you want that to be part of, of your life or do you want to just keep it in and have a healthy relationship with it and it'd be totally fine and make sure you're hydrated and taking care of yourself in many other ways. Great. Right. Cause as I said, there's, there's plenty of healthy benefits to it as well. But the other, the other um, uh, thing I, I tend to think about when it comes to coffee, particularly too much coffee intake is that it's also an appetite suppressant. And so sometimes, you know, people you haven't like kind of reflected on this. You can think about it to, in your own kind of experience where, you know, you, you might be like super busy um, or you might be hungry, but you know, you've got a fresh brew and you don't have time to make something. So you're just going to like pour that cup of coffee and just drink it or you're at work and things are busy. So you're going to grab a black, you know, a cup of black coffee and just, you know, deal with that. You can go a long ways drinking coffee and not eating because it kind of suppresses that appetite and allows you to get by a little bit longer. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the stereotypical, like, like Hollywood kind of images, like, uh, smoking cigarette and drinking coffee and then like not eating for a really long time or like getting by on like a really strict budget or like having no money and like but well, you got smokes and you gotta 
uh, and, you, and you have a, you have your cup, cup of coffee and, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And say, so, yeah, because those two things are suppressing the appetite and your body will say, okay, I, I don't need to eat right now. Or at least chemically, it doesn't think it needs to eat um, because you're, you're just suppressing those hormonal cues that are happening. So that's one thing I, I think about when it comes to um, excessive coffee intake is, okay, if you're doing that, are you also, you know, not eating enough because of that, or, you know, at the very least, make sure you're eating sufficiently. And like I said, also before hydrating sufficiently, mm. otherwise I think coffee can be completely fine. Um, you know, the old adage from us, everything in moderation, if you're someone who like feels like they need, you know, three or more cups a day. And that's been like your kind of life for a long time. There might be something there, right? I mean, the, the coffee is almost like a bandaid in that case. And it's like, well, how can we best support the body to handle the amount of stress that you're using the coffee to kind of get, get through, right? How can we change up your nutrition to supply you stable energy throughout the day instead of relying on coffee to kind of give you the, the, the jump or spike you need when things come low? Um, so that's what I like to do with people, you know, have them have healthy relationships with coffee or what have you. Um, while, while doing the things that they're striving for with the coffee, especially in, in the excessive um, situations, um, through their nutrition and through their lifestyle stuff. And sleep, absolutely. Yeah, because that's part of the, the whole energy and, uh, you know, I mentioned hormonal cues. If you're not sleeping well, all that's thrown off, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sleep is, is, is essential for all of that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to get a little bit more myopic. Do you just drink black <laughs> coffee or, uh, so what I do in the morning and you tell me your thoughts on this is, uh, I've been doing the intermittent fasting thing and, uh, okay. nothing crazy like 10, 14. So like 14 off, and then I'll eat for like a 10 hour window. And in the morning I'll drink a bulletproof coffee. So, uh, you know, I'm putting the coconut oil or MCT oil, uh, grass fed butter, and uh, collagen in my coffee and blending it up. And I'll have one and a half of those in the morning. Um, what are your thoughts on, on something like that? Yeah, I think that can be uh, totally fine. I'd be curious what you're, what you're, you know, how you're feeling on it. Cause when I, when I think of like bulletproof coffee, for example, and the coconut oil um, uh, that really took off uh, kind of getting like the fat metabolism going and, and uh, giving you that this like nice energy, um, like slow energy, um, uh, uh, feeling throughout, throughout the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of athletes took to it because, um, you know, MCTs or, or coconut oil, a really high, um, source of medium chain, uh, triglyceride or medium chain fats. And, um, that can be really nice for this, like, um, uh, energy, um, boost that, uh, you know, you might want before your morning run, for example. Mm-hmm. And so it really took off, you know, bulletproof coffee in the, in the athletic, uh, industry for that reason, because it's a really nice fuel, essentially. I think uh, coconut oil is right there. You know, M- MCTs kind of became really popular at the same time. Bulletproof coffee became popular. I don't know which came first, but I think it was around the same time both of those kind of took off. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm here for it. If, if you're feeling good with it, that's the thing. I think there's nothing wrong with that picture. Just a matter of uh, same thing, you know, the same considerations I, I mentioned before. It's like, you know, is it allowing you to still have your normal breakfast? And are you feeling good on your runs with that? If you're using it, you know, before a run or before training session. Um, But otherwise, it's a really good way to get in some some good fats. And uh, if you're enjoying your coffee at the same time, I think that's, that's great. Yeah. How important is breakfast? 
you know, there's people in different camps, obviously. Um, yep. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely people in different camps. <laughs> I, I think um, breakfast is, is wholly important, okay. like, like very important. And here's why. Um, what I've seen, I'm just going to speak kind of pragmatically, what, what I've seen through just my work with clients is that when that meal is skipped, there's, there's two things happening. There's the body trying to compensate or the individual trying to compensate and, and getting, you know, too much in terms of like, uh, like too much volume or too much just food, uh, in, in the, in the other meals, right. In the subsequent meals, whether that's lunch, or maybe there's an extra large snack in there, extra, extra large dinner. And it's hard to suss out, like, is the body trying to compensate or is, is the person trying to compensate, you know, mentally, like they're, they're purposely doing this. Um, either way though, uh, what, what that is, is, is it's often just too much per, per, per sitting, right. By, by having these like extra large meals, it's just too much on the digestive system. It's too much to properly absorb all of that. Um, potentially you run the risk of a lot of that just going right to fat storage. And you know, a lot of people don't necessarily want that. So, you know, it, it's, it, there's that, right. There's that potential for to happen. If, if, if one skipping breakfast, just that, uh, unintentional or intentional overcompensation that I don't think is necessarily the best route that people might be going, uh, mm-hmm. you know, choosing to do. But the other thing that could be happening, and this is just from a nutritional standpoint, is when you take away a meal, regardless of what it is, but it often typically is breakfast. Um, when you take away a meal, you just take away a, a great opportunity to get in some more nutrition, right? And so what I often see happening is not only are people trying to compensate throughout the, the rest of the day, one, they're not usually feeling that great by doing that. And again, I don't think there's uh, that much absorption happening as it should be. Um, but two, uh, they're, they're just not getting in. They can't make up for missing that whole meal. And they're not getting enough of, of you know, X, Y, or Z nutrients um, because they just took away, you know, four, five, six hundred, seven hundred calories potentially. Um, and, and they're, you know, there's not going to get that in. And therefore you're, you're just missing a really good opportunity to get in some really good quality nutrition. There's so much more beyond that. I've seen, you know, stuff on, um, it, it helps to stabilize blood sugar throughout the day. And if you don't eat that meal, you know, you kind of run the risk of, of some like metabolic stuff going on, um, throughout the rest of the day. And if this is long-term, then that just kind of spirals into, into other matters. Um, so there, I mean, there's so many, many, you know, reasons there there's, you know, mental health, psychological reasons for making sure to set yourself up for success in that first, in that first meal. Um, otherwise, you know, people just kind of, um, aren't feeling too great mentally throughout the rest of the day or, um, because their blood sugar dropped because they, they missed the meal. Um, their, their body's going for, uh, things are going to bring up that blood sugar pretty quickly. So they're grabbing the donut as soon as they get to the break room at work because they skipped breakfast at home. Um, that those foods, or they're going for coffee, extra coffee in the afternoon because their body's just so tired. You know, these things happen all the time. And when you kind of sit back and you, and you look at why, um, and this is happening even if you do eat breakfast, right? But the question there is like, well, then what are you eating? Like maybe you have to change up what you're eating at breakfast time. But you, we often see this is like, if you're skipping that meal or if you're, you're already going for kind of sugary breakfast as it is, or you're just having a bagel, for example, and there's no other kind of substance there, um, then you're gonna have that low blood sugar crash by you know, 9, 10, 11 a.m. and you're gonna go for the sugary stuff or the quick carb stuff or, 
or the extra coffee intake or something like that. So, you know, for all those reasons, breakfast is, is, is important in the fact that it can be really helpful for people to set themselves up for success throughout the day and just throughout the whole picture of their nutritional intake. Yeah. What's a healthy breakfast? Yeah. What's a healthy breakfast? I will say that a healthy breakfast is a balanced breakfast, right? And I say that on purpose and I don't, I don't know if that sounds super cliche or like I took it out of a fortune cooker or something, but I say that because, you know, I, I work with a lot of people who are from, you know, different regions from different parts of, of, uh, uh, the world. Uh, like I mentioned some, some international clients and stuff. Um, and you know, you, you talk to runners and you're like, Oh, so oatmeal and peanut butter and a banana or, okay, it's not that. So it's toast and peanut butter, banana. It's like, you have these like staples here, especially with, with runners. And I get that. And, and if, yeah, you know, those are healthy foods. So those count. Right. Um, but I, I rather answer it in that way, you know, a healthy breakfast is a balanced breakfast because some people aren't eating that way. You know, some people don't want oatmeal, don't like oatmeal or culturally don't eat oatmeal. Um, uh, or, or they don't, they don't do nut butters or they can't do peanut butter because of allergens or something like that. So I, I prefer to answer it in that way, uh, instead of giving specific foods, cause I don't think it matters what kind of food you're eating, right? You can have, why can't you have, you know, your typical dinner meal at breakfast? Like there's, we, we live in these boxes culturally, societally, but there's no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having uh, Asian stir fry at breakfast and having the oatmeal and peanut butter and a banana at dinner. Like sure. it's, it's the same nutrition. Um, so there's really just nothing wrong with that. So instead, I, like I said, I like it just having it, the focus be on a balanced breakfast, you know, have some, make sure it's, you know, getting yourself some carbs in the beginning of the day to kind of uh, start that system up, make sure you're getting in some healthy fats in there. Um, you know, avocado in there. I love the fact that avocado toast became so popular because you got the carbs from the toast. You got some really good uh, healthy fats from the avocado. It like made avocado a bigger thing. And I love that because avocado is such a great food. Um, and, and, you know, people were like doing it all up and putting on tomatoes and fresh onion slices and uh, uh, everything but the bagel seasoning and all these fun little things that people were doing. Um, and then, and then make sure you get protein, right, to, to sustain it, right, to sustain that energy so that, so that the, the carb, whatever carbs you're getting, don't cause that kind of low blood sugar. So you've got some protein in there and some, uh, you know, make sure that carb is good and, and supply some fiber to make sure that, you know, you can get to lunch or you can get to at least 11 o'clock without necessarily needing anything um, or at least not needing anything too, too badly. Um, so yeah, make sure it's, it's, it's balanced, right? And I can get into examples. I, 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 intentionally refrain from it but i will throw out some some maybe not great examples right bagel and cream cheese as tasty as that might be as as like culturally american as that might be um not the best sustenance for that long term you know before race sure you might go as basic as that or other options but long term on your day-to-day -day stuff have add some substance there right you know pop in the egos in the, in the toaster. Okay. But add something to it or completely change it. Right. Um, if you're, if you're someone, you know, the classic like bread and butter toast in, in the morning. Um, okay. You know, not gonna, not gonna shame you for that. Not gonna shame you for anything, but add something to it. Right. Add some sauteed greens on the side or, or, you know, throw some avocado in there, like do something, add something to it that can just give you a little bit more. Um, 
and that's all I, you know, I, I like to take kind of in the beginning, those baby steps with people uh, just to kind of challenge them in these cool different ways. Um, and they often, you know, find that it's fun because they're getting in different foods and it's really manageable um, and they're feeling better for it. You know, they're, they're like, oh, I don't need that like third cup of coffee or uh, I can, I don't need that, uh, you know, snack at, at like, you know, an hour later because, because my, my meals are lasting longer. Um, you know, that, that increased satiation is so important. Um, and I find that like these little, these little nutritional changes really go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. So is that philosophy kind of a, a broad stroke for all the meals, like uh, make sure they're all s- somewhat balanced? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think so, right? I mean, are you going to be 100% successful at all of them? Uh, maybe not, right? Mm-hmm. We work, we're adults, we have families, we have work situations. You know, a lot of us are working from home now where we might have more control over our diet, but I have plenty of people um, who I'm working with that are back in the office now. Um and, and, you know, they are kind of constrained. I actually have someone who uh, is back in the office now and because of COVID um, actually like, it, you know, the break rooms actually kind of shut down because of, of social distancing mm-hmm. guidelines. And so what the, their job did, fortunately, it's pretty cool uh, on the jobs, on, on, you know, the employer side of things is that they're like catering in lunch meals instead mm-hmm. of, you know, in lieu of having that break room there. So, um, but to that point, now that person has even less control over their food, right? Like they have a menu to choose from, but it's all takeout, right? So mm-hmm. there's something there's something there. Um, so as best you can, you know, to answer your question, as best you can, yeah, make sure that these meals are balanced because you're going to make just better choices throughout the day. You know, what I, what I often find is that if you aren't having, and, you know, so many people are probably going to resonate th- with this because I see it so regularly, um, when, if you're not having like often lunch is super rushed, right? Like it's, it's eaten while you're in the middle of work or it's eating, it's eating right before uh, a meeting or it's, it's eaten like in between like something to do with the kids and like virtual learning, like lunch tends to be a very rushed meal or very like, I'm just going to eat whatever I can fit in kind of meal. Um, breakfast is probably a second to that. Dinner tends to be the one where you can just sit down and kind of relax. Um, but what I often find is like when lunch is, you know, falls into that category that when people get home, they're like often snacking um, kind of mindlessly, right? It's, it's fine to snack, but they're snacking mindlessly while prepping for dinner. Like their body's hungry, their body like wants something and they're just going for the quick stuff while they're prepping their, their more, you know, nourishing dinner meal that they can sit down and enjoy, which is great. But, you know, this is where you find people like snacking on the popcorn or snacking on the chips and salsa or just, you know, maybe it's chips and hummus. Like, fairly fine stuff but it's like why is your body doing that right like what what went on throughout the day that you're just like putting down like two bowls of chips and salsa before you know as dinner is literally being prepared mm-hmm. um and it's it's often you can rewind back and you're like oh like yeah my, my lunch isn't like the best it can be or or i'm just like breezing through lunch like my my mind isn't even like registering that i ate lunch um, like I'm getting the, my bloodstream knows, right. I can feel it, but like my, my mind body connection was somewhere lost in there. And it didn't really register that I ate a proper meal. Cause like I was so distracted and doing other things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love going on tangents. So I probably just, I probably just did that a little bit, but <laughs> no, this is perfect, man. I'm, I'm already <laughs> learning lots of question. stuff. This is great. This is great. Cool. Um, 
how many meals a day is ideal? Uh, again, there's people in different camps, three meals a day, five meals a day. Um, it's better to graze throughout the day. Um, do you have any thoughts there? Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I will, I'd be naive to say that my response here is the end all be all, right? Like, like you said, there are so many people in different camps. How is my response going to be the answer? Um, I will say the, the best approach for people is the one that gets them the nutrition that they need. Okay. So taking a very political answer there, uh, or political, uh, you know, uh, route, I say. Um, but, but I do think that there's something to be said about not eating too close to each other's meal or to, 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 uh, the other meals throughout the day. Right. So like giving your body the ability to actually digest what you had. Right. And, and, um, what, what kind of happens when you eat a meal, and, you know, there's, you know, all the, the physiological digestive, you know, activity going on internally to actually get that meal through the digestive system. Get, that takes time, right? And, and often what people are doing is, is like they're eating that meal and sometimes even a half hour later, they're throwing something else in. And then, you know, maybe an hour later, they're throwing something else in, right? That grazing, sometimes a combination of like, okay, but I'm eating through meals, but you're also grazing kind of constantly. Um, that is probably not the best picture for optimal digestion because the body wants to just settle, you know, focus on that first meal, but now you introduce something else and now it has to like redo the process, yet there's still digestive processes happening in that meal. It didn't fully digest yet. So give it some time, right? Which is why usually in, in people who are in that camp are usually saying like, wait three to four to five hours between like bigger meals. Um, and, and hopefully they're, they're big enough and, and uh, fulfilling enough where you don't need as much um, of a snack or as, as large of the snacks in between. Um, now, on the other camp, you've got the people saying, well, if you're going to graze, you know, small grazing throughout the day, right? Because there's less for the body to digest at any given time. Um, and, you know, maybe you're going to keep the blood sugar kind of stable throughout the day because you're, you're snacking and there's no real time for the drops and the spikes if you're doing it in the appropriate way. You have so much valid reasoning and potentially science that backs up both ways. And so it's like, how do we settle on this answer? Take the same thing with like, are eggs bad or good? Where are we at? Is coffee bad or good? I often, and this is why it's so nice working with a nutritionist, and that's just a, a shameless plug here, is because what matters is individualizing it, figuring out what is going to be the thing, the approach that the person in front of you, or, you know, if you're asking yourself this, what am I going to respond best to, right? What is, I've been grazing my whole life and my health isn't where I want it to be, or my health has been declining, or my performance has been declining okay, maybe we need to switch that off, right? Maybe we need to get you away from grazing throughout the day and, and having proper meals. Or on the flip side, I've been doing the three meals a day thing and I'm tired all the time or um, I'm you know, having GI issues or just, again, not, not my best health and wellness type of self. Okay, what's going on in those meals? Maybe we do need to introduce uh, a couple snacks throughout the day because you're just not getting enough, right? It's like, this is where I ask those questions and this is where, um, I work with that person in front of me to figure out the approach that works for them, because I don't think that there's uh, uh, one answer necessarily mm -hmm. for everyone, right? Everyone's bodies is going to, one is already under different types of stress, just with life happening. 
um, and and uh, everyone's eating differently and everyone's active in a different way. And that matters, right? That actually influences how the body's responding to food and how it's digesting food. Um, everyone's internal physiology is different, right? Some people have more hydrochloric acid than others. Some people are on medications and that really kind of changes things up, if you will. Mm. Um, there's so many things to consider. And it's like, there's not this one increasingly over the years, over the decades, there's increasingly not one solution for everyone. Um, but it takes, um, you know, some investigative work and, and some guidance to figure out, you know, what, what's going to work for you. And, and that's where kind of working with someone or at the very least, even if you're not there yet, just paying attention to your, to your nutrition and how you eat. Um, again, the key thing is are paying attention, actually paying attention and kind of thinking about things a little bit slower. Um, that can just be really helpful. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about your style is you're open-minded enough to say my answer isn't necessarily the end all be all, you know, and it, it is a little bit different for everybody. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that you sit down with your clients and, and it sounds like you ask a lot of questions, you know, yep. <laughs> I can only imagine like a nutritionist working with a client, like, okay, what did you eat today? Okay. What time did you eat it? How did you feel? I, I just imagine the questions being endless. Um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Um, how many meals a day? Oh, I asked you that. Um, sorry. I lost my train of thought. Oh um, no, no worries. Um, eating before a run. Uh, yeah. so say I get up and run first thing in the morning. Um, should I eat before that run? Like pre-workout, post-workout meals? What does that look like in, in, in an ideal world? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I've, I've done personally both ways, right? I've, I've gone the route of making sure I fuel before um, my runs. Mm -hmm. I've gone the route of running fasted, like intentionally running fasted and actually building my fat adaptation. And, um, you know, I, I remember going through that process uh, I started off running maybe like uh, two to three, maybe four miles um, eating fasted, mm -hmm. you know, or, or sorry, running fasted. So not eating anything before my runs in the morning um, and, and built that up intentionally, gradually, where that was probably I lived there for like a couple of weeks and then I could do like five to seven miles, did that for a couple of weeks. And I got to the point where I could I could throw down 20 miles without having eaten anything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I get my, 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 uh, water and electrolytes in, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but, but no, no real sustenance before or even during, um, it took time to get there. Um, and, and a lot of people are in that camp and a lot of people are really interested in, in, in that route. And I do think that there's a lot of science behind, you know, the fact that think about it, we have, and maybe, maybe a lot of people don't know this, but we have like somewhere like 50 to 60,000 calories worth of fat in our body. And, and for glucose or glycogen, we have like 1800 to like 2,500 worth of calories. Mm. That's, that's like readily available. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have so much potential to use fat as energy. Um, but the body's set up to quickly use and to initially go to, to carbs. It's just an easier system. Um, but we can train the body. We can kind of retrain the body, if you will, to, to use fat better. And so, both are valid, right? Like eating before your runs um, or, or going or, or doing it fasted and, and not eating and waiting till you just get back from, from your run. 
Um, it's just a matter of setting yourself up for success if you decide to go that route. Cause I do think that there needs to be a gradual approach. You don't want to rush that process because mm -hmm. uh, if the system isn't ready for it, if you're not adapted enough, um, you will, you will bonk very quickly, especially if you're doing like quicker paced stuff. Yeah. Um, so all that needs to be taken into consideration. Um, there is some research out there though, that women athletes do physiologically better and hormonally better um, if they aren't running fasted. So, so if they are eating before, right. So it's not like that's the end all right now. Um, but there is some, some, uh, stuff out there that's, you know, pretty good research that, um, uh, kind of shows that, that, that women athletes should be pre-fueling before, uh, the runs or workouts or what have you, and, and maybe not going the fasted route, or if they are, um, not, not having it for be, you know, before, uh, like prolonged efforts, right. Like maybe, you know, 30 minute runs or 45 minute runs, maybe an hour run. If, if you're a, you know, pretty fit person, um, you can probably get away with that, but your long runs or, you know, your, your, uh, adventures out on the trails or the mountains or something, uh, pre-fueling, especially for women tends to be, uh, or sorry, is looking to be pretty important, uh, thing for them to do. Um, uh, but, but, and then the other thing is, uh, you, you know, some of this depends on how that individual is responding, right? So for example, uh, if, if you're not doing well on your runs and you're running fasted, uh, maybe your physiology isn't, isn't set up for that, right? Maybe, maybe you actually do need to, to, to pre-fuel a little bit. And there are plenty of people who have nausea issues when they're running or GI issues when they're running. And so I asked those questions, you know, to kind of see like, okay, what are you eating? Are you eating? Uh, and if you're not eating, let's try eating and, and let's see how, how your body kind of responds um, to whichever kind of solution we're testing out. Um, uh, so again, back to the whole, like I ask questions and we try things out. Uh, nutrition coaching is a lot of kind of experimenting and just seeing what, what fits that person. Um, but so I think both can work, right? Both options that you mentioned can work. It's just a matter of, uh, well, one, are you a female athlete versus a, a male athlete? And then uh, to kind of like what, what your history is with uh, running fasted, or, you know, are you, are you ready for that? Um, and, and then three, the other thing is, you know, uh, timing, right? Like, like, do you actually have time after to get in the sustenance you need to, to efficiently and sufficiently um, re replenish and refuel post-workout if you didn't eat before, right? Like if that picture, if you didn't eat before, and you are rushing, you, you get home from your, your training session, you'll shower and, and you go, you know, you're off to work, whether that's in your, your office space at home, or you're, you're literally leaving and, and heading to the office, uh, then you need to eat before, right? Like if you have no time to, to refuel and replenish and re-nourish your body afterwards, then you need to be getting ahead of that. Mm. Um, if you have that time, great. Maybe you can, we can explore not running or not eating before your run. So a lot of things need to be there uh, and kind of in place to best support the person. Um, but, but, you know, like you said, there, there are uh, two different camps there for a reason. Both can work. It's just a matter of, of the person and the kind of activity you're doing. Yeah. yeah. If you're trying to uh, utilize your fat sources uh, for, say, an ultra run, I think most of the people listening to this podcast are probably ultra runners, mountain runners. Um, I'm guessing you would probably do most of your training runs either fasted or um, eating very little out there, I, I would guess. But then at come race day, it's kind of like all bets are off. 
um, people are eating gels, people are eating sugary things off of, off of aid station tables, fruit. Um, do you have any opinions there? Like what does that look, what should that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have opinions. I was in that boat, you know, I, I didn't get into it, but I will now. And that, that's actually what started me into, you know, learning about how to adapt to using fat as fuel and, oh. and to get better and, and practice, you know, uh, running with shorter runs and getting to 20 miles um, was an ultra running experience where I did a race and um, I wasn't exploring, you know, not eating um, uh, or not running fasted beforehand, but I, you know, reflected on my run on my, uh, on the race and, you know, realized I put down, I, I can't tell you the number now, but it was just a, an insane amount of gels and, you know, so many potato chips and uh, Twizzlers and, and just all this, all this stuff, all this obviously sugar, high carb stuff. Um, and I felt violently ill at the end <laughs> of the race. I mean, I was, I was, I was doing a lot of violent actions afterwards, <laughs> just kind of getting rid of everything and, and just really didn't feel well. I was sweating, like, not from being hot, like my body just was reacting and it was uh, really intense. I think I might've passed out for like four or five seconds on the car ride home. <laughs> no, I wasn't driving. Um, but yeah, and, and it led me to think like, uh, cause you know, my wife and I were talking about this. She was the one driving and, um, she, you know, she, she we were reflecting on when I got home or maybe that next day or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, it has to be like what I ate. Like, of course I, I did an ultra endurance abandoned. So there's something there, but not everyone's having that kind of experience after. So what, what happened during that? And I, and I, that wasn't my first ultra and, and all the other ones before that never experienced that. So did some reflecting. I was like, yeah, just that was the most sugar, sugary fuel I, I've had in that span of time ever. Mm -hmm. Now, there's got to be another way to do this, and so it led me to do that research. Um, and and you know that's where it came up, came like I said before, it came to uh, you know learning how to use fat as fuel. And I think to your to your question, um, you know that that is to be considered, right? If if you're already doing that, and then you get to the race and you know, you have all these options at the aid station and, and you think you need them. The thing is you, you, you're practicing using fat as fuel to hopefully allow you to do better without so much fuel during a race. Yes. Now, granted, you might be running faster than you're running on your, on your, you know, practice long runs, for example. Um, so there's something to do about the pace and maybe you will need fuel sooner. Um, but hopefully if you did it, if you did things right, you can kind of prolong that, uh, that, uh, that fuel and maybe not need as much carbohydrate fuel. The other thing people do when they're really into that state is they actually fuel with fat and a little bit of carb. So they're going, for example, like, you know, trail butter became so popular, I think, mm. because it's just such a good slow burning kind of fuel. And a lot of these companies that sell gels are also developing products that are slow burning versus fast burning. Um, and those are higher in fat, they supply carbs, but they're lower in carbs, higher in fat versus the opposite, which is basically your sugar gels that virtually have no fat and are just sugar. Um, so you can go that route with your actual nutrition. You know, you have to be uh, a, a little bit uh, strict with yourself at the aid station when all the colorful gummy bears and Skittles and <laughs> M&Ms are, are staring at you. Um, but you can totally fuel with fat. You know, you can, you can go for you know, like the avocado and like half a brown rice cake or uh, avocado and a tortilla wrap um, and, or, you know, the trail butter, like I mentioned, or trail mix. 
you know, you can, you can still use fat as like a really good way to fuel. And the people who are going to respond better to that are the people who are practicing it um, versus the people who in their practice, in their training, uh, they fueled every hour with a gel. Well, oh, yeah. come race day, you're going to need sugar every, you know, 45 minutes to hour, because that's how you trained your body, you know, especially in, in a race day scenario, when you're running faster, your body's just going to respond better to that, to that sugar. And if you attempt to, to fuel it with fat instead, you could potentially get this nausea because your body's not used to processing fat, which is denser um, in that kind of state. It's used to processing very easy, light sugar. Um, so it, it, there's something to be said about, you know, practice, if you, if you're having issues on your racing, you're having these experiences, we'll see what you're practicing with and, and what you're doing on the day-to-day -day in your training, because that stuff, you know, you're, you're essentially training your physiology to handle things and that should be uh, done or, or, you know, uh, carried out in, mm -hmm. in, on race day. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people who are having these kind of issues with electrolytes or, or with, uh, uh, you know, with, with fueling with fat or fueling with carbs during a race, like, well, we have to kind of go back to the drawing board and start from square one in the beginning of that training block and, and set the body up for success. So that come key event day, um, your body's ready, you know, your body knows how to process this stuff. And, and we can kind of steer away from the stuff we didn't work, you know, work with. So, you know, get away, get away from the gummy bears and, and the other things like that, and just kind of focus on what we know works. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I made that mistake as well. Uh, back in the day, I was doing uh, triathlons and Ironman events. And, uh, you know, all the people that I knew and looked up to were telling me, you know, set your watch for every 20 minutes and you need to be taking a gel every 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, and these yep. people are successful. So I'll <laughs> listen to them. And, uh, you know, I made it through the race, but I was throwing up all over the place. So, um, yeah. yeah, you just kind of slowly learn as you go. What do you say to the athlete that... Uh, has a bad diet, but they're successful in races. They're eating pizza, drinking half a dozen beers at night, <laughs> but they're out there killing ultra marathons. I mean, you know, if, if it's not broken, don't, don't fix it. Or what, <laughs> what are your thoughts there? Yeah, totally. So, so I've been in a number of these situations and there are a couple of things there. One, if they're coming to me of their own volition, what I say is you're coming to me for some reason, <laughs> right? So, so, something's not right. You, you intuitively know there's, we can address something through nutrition. So you're kind of like finding an escape, uh, escape route, even though you came to me. Um, but in other occasions where, you know, someone's just popping in or I'm talking to a coach and then that gets me to talk to an athlete. And then I look at their diet and, and I see a lot of this, you know, it's like, man, how are you doing what you're doing <laughs> eating like this? My, my response to that is, is, is often, um, imagine what you could be doing if you were eating better yeah right that that is like it right there it's like if your body is able to do this based on what you're eating there's clearly some like amazing genetic potential amazing just like raw talent that like is just in you which is incredible but then there's this other like you know part of, of like nurture where it's like imagine if we because you're not doing that now <laughs> imagine if we if we elevated the nurture aspect through you know this optimal nutrition for you and got rid of the excess alcohol at night and and the pizza and and not to say pizza is bad but like when we're talking because i've seen it like pies of pizza throughout the week just you know people it's like well it's carbs 
Um, you know, if we, if we really just kind of clean up that nutrition and really optimize it, imagine what that body can do running on that kind of clean fuel. Um, so I'll, I'll, that's usually my response. It's like, I know you're incredible and, and you're top, you know, top, you're, you're feeling like you're top of the world and, and maybe they're a top athlete. I'm working with a number of really incredible athletes. Um, and, and that's what I tell them. It's like, let's just see, let's just see what we can achieve if we make these little adjustments, because in, in intuitively, I really think and believe that your body's going to respond really better to, to the cleaner fuel. You know, it's just, just how it is. I see it time and time again. It makes sense. Um, you put clean fuel in a, in a, in a great vehicle, uh, it's, it's going to run better. Uh, and, and so that's what we're doing with these people who, who might not be either. They might not be eating well. They didn't pay too much attention, but the, you know, they're, 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 they're getting by. Uh, well, it's like, well, let's, let's not have you get by. Let's, let's make those, you know, uh, one to two to 3% gains. Uh, and that can kind of go a long way for some people. Mm. Is that an incremental change or is that something you just change right across the board right away? You know, it depends on the person. It depends on the person. Um, uh, a lot of people do respond better to more incremental kind of gradual mm -hmm. changes and um, they're more manageable. They're, they're less overwhelming. Um, they can focus on like a few things per week or per every two weeks uh, and really kind of hone in on them and like really create like quicker, you know, behavioral changes around it. Um, and then, okay, now they're ready for something else. Um, so I, I tend to go that route. Some people they're ready, you know, they're just, uh, they're ready for, for more. They're ready to kind of start at a quicker, at a quicker, uh, pace, you know, from the get go. And I'll respond to that. You know, I might, I might back them off of that, that urgency a little bit. Um, because I don't think it, it necessarily, uh, gets to the, uh, one, I don't think any of this should be rushed. I don't think it needs to be rushed. Um, but two, you know, I've just learned that people do better when, when they're not necessarily full throttle in this, in this kind of uh, nutritional work, um, because it is just, it is somewhat psychological and behavioral. I mean, that's what food is. It's, there's a lot of that in it. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said, it depends on, on the person and kind of what their personality is. I've seen people who are just ready to go, you know, all fires blazing right, right off the bat. And, and uh, I can meet those people kind of where there are, like I said, I'll, I'll back them off the urgency a bit. Um, but, but generally speaking, I like the, 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 I don't want to say slow approach, uh, slower approach. Uh, and, and I uh, just find a lot of success going that, that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There might be some accidents on the trail. If you change that diet too quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, a lot of what I do, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll say this up front is that I, I tend to up people's fiber, uh, pretty quick. Um, uh, not, not pretty quick in the sense of, of like, uh, within the first week or anything, but that's like something I, I focus on it when I'm doing like dietary analyses or looking at people's food intake is, is I'm looking at their fiber content and there's a really, really good reason for that. Um, and, and I'll look at their fiber intake and that's something that if it's not where I like it to be generally, or where I want it to be eventually, um, I will have a lot of my recommendations be around like slowly working their fiber up because that is one thing you mentioned, you know, issues on the trail. That is one thing where if, if you go full throttle up your fiber, you know, from 20 grams on average to 50 grams on average, your body's going to rebel. Your body's <laughs> not going to love it. You're going to hate me because you're going to think I just, I just killed your, your, your intestines. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a healthy or happy place to be. So that's like one really, really clear example of like why you want to make sure that you go slow on that, on kind of like upping the fiber intake there. 
Um, and I'm dangling that, that carrot on purpose because uh, I want people to kind of be intrigued and, and, uh, and reach out or do their own research. But fiber is just really uh, critical for uh, a healthy body, a sound body, uh, a high performing body. And there's a lot of you know, reason behind why that is, but yeah, it's a big one. How do we know if we're getting enough fiber? And I'm guessing most of that's coming yeah. from, from plants rather than supplements, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, most, most supplements aren't going to have uh, fiber in them. Of course you can buy, <laughs> you can buy fiber, fiber supplements, supplements, but yeah. uh, that's not what I, I, I get people to do. I get sure. them to get it whole foods because you know, they're getting a, a plethora of other, of other nutrients in there too. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, plant foods, right? So eat more whole foods, eat less processed foods, um, eat more colorful foods instead of just, you know, white and beige foods, which is in a lot of our diet. Um, and you'll get that fiber up for sure. It's not, it's not, uh, for most people, a very hard thing to do. Uh, it just sometimes takes, uh, some work, which is, you know, why people hire nutritionists, <laughs> it just, it just, it's just one of those things. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it's 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 really important. It's it's really helpful for, you know, it's it's very disease protective. It's very uh, anti-inflammatory in nature when fiber is a certain point. And it's it's you know I'll, I'll say this, when you up your fiber, you are, and you do it not through a supplement, you are simultaneously increasing whole foods, right? So so by just focusing on fiber, and getting it to whatever the increased amount is, there's only one way to do it, which is to eat more whole plant foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people are like, well, what should my carbs be? Or what should my protein be? Or what should my calories be? What I often tell people is like, if you're going to focus on a number that, you know, hyper-focused way, focus on fiber, mm -hmm. because by doing that, you're going to be eating so much more good stuff and you're going to feel so much better for it. And you're going to have so much less room for all the other stuff because fiber fills you <laughs> like literally kind of makes no more room for a lot of this other stuff. Like you, you just don't want it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, people, people, you know, do pretty nicely when, when their fiber intake is, is higher. Uh, not that that's like the only solution out there that, you know, we do that. And then I, I call it quits and, and they're, they're off, you know, they're off on their, on their own. Right. Um, but that is one of my, one of my goals kind of early on with people is like, Hey, you know, let's get your fiber up uh, yeah. for X, Y, Z and every other letter reasons. Cause there's so many reasons out there. Yeah. As a nutritionist, are you working with people to try and get them to a certain point where they have this knowledge and they're just on the right path and then you can kind of set them off on their own? Or are you trying to find clients that you're working with for a certain number of years? Or what does that look like on your end? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm open to having those kind of clients who are, who are you know, wanting to, to work with me long term and just having me be part of their their life kind of like their, you know, their primary care physician is or something like that. Like I'm, I'm happy to be that person for them. Um, generally speaking though, uh, it is more of a, um, you know, anywhere from three to six months for people where they, where they really feel like, yeah, I've, I've, I've like totally come like full circle on my nutrition, totally feeling the effects of like really good long-term work really good nutritional changes uh, that have like kind of stuck and they feel like they've become like, you know, sec second nature and, and they've developed new habits around it. Um, that tends to happen 
uh, like I said, somewhere between three to six months for people. Of course, that, that depends on the person and how consistent they were throughout that process. Um, but I have plenty of people who I've been working with for, you know, a year, over a year. Um, those people tend to be um, uh, uh, athletes who, who are racing, you know, throughout the, or, or just performing, uh, not all of them are runners, um, throughout the year. Uh, and, and they just want different kind of support throughout their training blocks throughout the year. And, and they just like having uh, nutritionists as part of their kind of care team, uh, just like one would like a massage therapist mm -hmm. or physical therapist or something like that. So uh, I'm just seeing uh, as, as someone like that, that's just like, yeah, you're, you're my person for as long as I'm kind of doing this and striving for more, which is awesome. I love that. And I love being that, per that you know, that, that uh, serving in that role for people. But yeah, for the day-to-day, uh, the day-to-day -day person, it's uh, somewhere in that three to six months you could expect for for the results to really kick in. And 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 what I um what I often talk about with clients is you know we can come back right like after three months, four months, five months, six months. Um, let's reconnect in three months, you know, and 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 do a check-in and see where things are at. Let's reconnect in six months, or let's reconnect in the fall when you've got you know your your um you know two months out from your you're 50 or you're hundred or something like that. Let's kind of dial things in or let's just, you know, see where you're at. Um, and, and then maybe we need to tweak a couple of things and, and, you know, prep final preparation for your big day. Um, and, and we'll do that. I've done that with, you know, many clients throughout the years. It's like, you know, we, we set the solid foundation uh, in their nutrition and then they're off. And then we check in kind of in, at key moments throughout the year, typically, cause you know, again, I'm working with athletes is typically in like the two months heading into a, a key race, whether that's a marathon or like I said, some kind of ultra running event or something. Um, and then we'll just take that time to fine tune things and get them really dialed in for their big race. Uh, and then, you know, they're off again and maybe we'll reconnect at some point in the future. So uh, yeah, I like to, that's, that's you know, generally the, the approach with people. Cool. I like it. So you're not like that chiropractor that says you have to come back every week for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, uh, not throwing shade on any chiropractors, but that is not me. Uh, you know, while I'm with someone though, while I'm with someone, if they, if they committed to three months or six months or whatever it is, um, I expect them to put in the work. That's, that's the other thing is, uh, I, I, you know, they are with me uh, essentially week to week. We're, we're doing that work. Um, but no, this isn't the thing where like, once you signed up, you're a lifer and yeah. you know, that that's it or else, or else, you know, that, that, no, that I don't, I don't take that approach. I don't think that that's necessary in our for work. Sure. For sure. So I'm a running coach. And one of the things I struggle with is when I'm working with a client and they're not following things to a T uh, or not following things hardly at all. Um, how do you approach that uh, when your client, you know, you kind of set your client on the right path, but they're eating a lot of cheat foods or a lot of sugary foods, or they just can't quite stick to it like you wish they would? Yeah, yeah. So that it, compliance, right? How do you, how do you how do you increase compliance? Here, here's what I found over the years that really helps with that. And I'm speaking from a nutritional lens here, right? So you mentioned running. Uh, I think compliance is part of any coaching uh, relationship, but this, this is how I do it via, you know, our nutrition work is I, uh, well, one, make sure that I really understand their goals, make sure that they know that I'm understanding their goals. And we're on the really, you know, on the same page very early on. Um, I'm their person. I make that very, very clear. 
Um, but what I'm doing in the in kind of like the first, really like the first week, but probably even like for the first few weeks is really setting, um, I'm, I'm setting them up for success, right? Like I, I know, you know, from a nutritional perspective where I want them to be, right? In, in three months or even by the end of the month, some clients sign up for a month just to kind of feel things out. I know where I want them to be by the time that, you know, their plan ends, irregardless of if they're going to extend or not but I'm not gonna do that overnight, right? Just like you're not gonna get them ready for, for their 100 overnight. You're gonna take an approach. You're gonna take a, you know, develop a plan with them. So in the first few weeks though, or in the first couple of weeks, I'm making sure that the, the recommendations I'm making, that, that what I'm you know, advising them to do, they can achieve. Like I see it, I, I, I've seen it in our conversation. I see it in their current dietary uh, intake that, I'm, that, I've, that I've analyzed at that point. Um, and I know almost I'm 99% sure that they can achieve these goals in the first few weeks. And at the same time, I know that they're going to feel really good doing it, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to feel really uh, proud of themselves because they ticked off all the boxes. So they, they know they've, they've you know, made these achievements on a weekly basis. They're going to feel really good from a health and wellness standpoint because they're increasing <laughs> nourishing foods and healthy foods throughout their week. Um, and even potentially... Uh, from their running, you know, and, and, and or whatever their training is, uh, they're going to feel really good. Maybe not in the first week, it, it takes some time, but maybe by week two, week three, they're starting to notice, yeah, I do feel a little bit lighter or yeah, my, my, that pace was easier to hit this week or uh, yeah, I recovered a little bit faster from that, from that hill workout or from that trail run. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, again, making sure that in that first three weeks, I'm capitalizing it because, you know, you're right. That sets it up. That, that, if they're feeling good, if they are trying to achieve these like mini goals that are realistic and, and, and achievable for them, um, compliance is way high. If I'm already setting them up for failure, I'm, I'm pushing them way too hard, way too fast, either of those or both of those, um, or I'm pushing them out of their comfort zone, like way too out of their comfort zone, um, then, then they're, you know, compliance is going to be down because they're probably not going to be achieving those goals. They're going to feel really down on themselves. They're not going to know how to get those foods in. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's really it is, is really taking that kind of slower approach, setting them up for success. And, and then by, by the end of that time, two, three weeks later, they're ready for more, you know, they're feeling good. They're like, wow, there's something to this. Let's, let's, let's get after it even more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I often see it, you know, after a month, they're like, I'm ready. Let's, let's keep going. You know, how do I sign up for another month or two or three or what have you? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just a testament to, to how good people feel when, when, you know, when they're, when they're set up for success. I think that's the key to any kind of coaching client relationship is making sure that, you know, we're always doing that for our clients. Yep. Yep. Um, do you, uh, what about supplements? Do you advise people to take supplements? I know it's generally like, um, kind of a backup plan if you're not getting the right foods. Uh, in, in, in an ideal world, everyone's eating whole foods and they're getting their, their nutrition through uh, whole foods, plants. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, totally. No, I, I, I bring in supplements. Yeah, I, uh, I bring in, I do it strategically, right? I, I bring in, um, uh, and I mean that in two ways, I bring in good high quality supplements. So when I say, hey, looks like you need some, uh, some B vitamins or some vitamin D or some iron. Um, it's not just now letting them go and get it 
uh, right. wherever they're going to get That's it. That's really I important. Say, yeah, I say, and I will send you some links or, and I will send you, because I have access to databases and things, and I will send you an order for this um, versus they're going to run to you name the grocery store or the pharmacy and getting the cheapest thing on the aisle uh, or on the shelf. Um, I've seen that way too often. I'm like, yep. there's nothing in this or <laughs> there's a reason you haven't felt better and you've been doing this for years. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I bring it, I bring in high quality ones. And like I said, I, I bring it in strategically. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of multivitamins. I think if people are taking them, I don't say don't. I just, I just rarely encourage it for people just because I like to be more specific with my supplements. Um, I, I like to assess on a regular basis and see how people are handling their training or how they're sleeping or, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assessing for different indicators of inflammation throughout the training block, for example, or if it's a health condition, I'm assessing in a different way for, you know, certain health markers. Um, and then I'm basing my, my supplement recommendations based on that, like, oh, I really think you're going to respond better to, you know, this dosage of magnesium. Here's a really good quality one that I love. Look into it or, or you know, here's an order for it. Um, I like it to be in that way because I want to address what's going on. I don't want to just blanket, you know, hey, here's five supplements. Take it because they're all good stuff. The body uses it. Mm. I don't, I don't, you know, that's what the food is for. You know, let's, let's go back to the basics there. The food does that. It's only when, you know, we've, we've upped our quality of nutrition and then life happens. you got an injury, you got to get ready for surgery. Uh, you're dealing with some GI stuff and you don't know why, or you're having sleep issues because, you know, you're super stressed at work. Okay. These are those moments where a supplement can be really helpful. You know, we're, we're far long enough in, in our uh, civilization where we have these extra tools in the toolbox let's use them but just let's use them smartly mm. um and let's use you know like i said high quality ones that are well sourced you know third party verified and tested um especially with my athletes make sure they're safe they're getting tested and things like that um you know make sure that there's no cross contaminations and things like that so uh yeah i'm pretty uh like i said uh picky, I, I will say about supplements, but I, I don't shun them at all. I use them myself. Mm. Um, I use them with most clients. I'll say that at some point. Um, just pretty, like I said, smart about how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got some pretty high end clients I've noticed, and it yeah. seems like you're kind of in that running niche. Uh, are a lot of your clients runners? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Within, within, uh, athletes, uh, most of them are runners. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I say most because I, I, well, as it implies, I work with people who aren't runners and I value them just the same. I love working with them just the same. Sure. Um, but I'm a runner, you know, I'm a runner. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I love running the roads. I love running fast. I love running on the track. That's my background, uh, sprinter in high school. Uh, and I got into endurance running in college and I, and that's, kind of taken me under its wing since then and I love ultra running and I love trail running so uh, I highly identify as a runner and I just kind of naturally gravitate towards the sport and towards uh, that world and that community which is an amazing community mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah just uh, you know within athletes which I also identify with um, uh, you know runners just I get them I know how they I know how they work I know how their brain ticks I know uh we love we love striving to be better and and we love our sport and we love what it does for us and you know i resonate with all of that and so yeah just 
it, it's it's fortunate the journey has has taken me to to be able to work with some pretty amazing athletes and talented athletes and what what I find really cool about all of that is that they've gotten to the point where they know that nutrition matters and and you know they've brought me onto their team to support them and I'm forever grateful for that um but what's really cool about that is is it shows other people that even these top end people need to still work on their nutrition and there's still room for improvement in their nutrition um and and I think that's like the coolest part of it all it's like you know kind of like what you said about the person who you know eats like crap and yet still performs that's not these people per se but it's like these are top end people they probably only have room for like two to you know one to three percent more improvement in their performances and they know that nutrition is going to take them you know that that next level whatever it is um and i, and I love that message for sure yeah you're an ultra runner and uh you've got some ultra running ambitions of your own coming up don't you yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of shopping around for, for a 50 in the spring or 100k. We'll see. Um, although it looks like potentially maybe a, a earlier midsummer hundred. Ah. Uh, and then I've got uh, the one that I've actually selected is the, the uh, Run Rabbit Run 50 in uh, September. Nice. So I'll be there then. I, I wanted to run 100 in September, and uh just timing wise this year it's looking like the you know early summer might be better so i went ahead and did the uh uh sign up for the 50 i've been wanting to run run rabbit run uh steamboat springs for for quite some time so uh decided yeah this is going to be the year to do it pretty excited for it too why not do the run rabbit run 100 it was sold out oh gotcha gotcha okay that I sells out quick I, I wanted to do it i wanted to do it i wanted that to be uh, my, my hundred, you know, the hundred that I wanted to do in the fall, uh, I thought that was going to be it. And then I think, I don't even know when it sold out, but I, you know, I was busy around the holiday season and uh, I went home to New Jersey and it was kind of like off the radar and off, off the electronics for quite some time there. And like, when I kind of got my bearings back and, and looked up some stuff, uh, the, the 100 was, was sold out wow. and, and the 50 actually only had six spots left. And uh -huh. I, I jumped on it because I was like, oh, man, I feel like there were probably six people looking at their computer right now who are going to sign up. So I saw that and I, I just decided to sign up right away because uh, I was afraid it was going to sell out and I really wanted to run it this year. So, I, you know, I'm doing the 50. I'm happy with it. Um, you know, what I think happened was because uh, it was canceled last year. So a lot of these races like were almost automatically filled pretty much as soon as like registration <laughs> opened yep. because all of all the of all the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, frontage in 2020 getting bumped to the 2021 race. So, yeah. you know, that's the case and it, it's fine. There, there are more years ahead, but uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, some pretty good ultra running. And, you know, actually this year I, I'm looking to potentially do my first or maybe even first couple uh, fast packing experiences. Oh, sweet. Uh, it's been something that's been intriguing me over the last couple of years. And uh, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't happen in 2020, but uh I'm slowly starting to accumulate some gear. Uh, it, I didn't realize it'd be so expensive. Uh, the fast packing gear that, mm -hmm. that is uh, out there, all the, all the fancy lightweight stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm getting some of that. And I think maybe sometime this fall, uh, maybe October or something, after I recover from the 50, I'll, uh, I'll venture out there for a fast packing experience somewhere in the Pacific Northwest or something like that. Oh, so nice. yeah, I'm trying to get after it and uh, pretty excited about what, what what's going to happen this year. Yeah. That would be interesting to see what you're eating on a fast pack. 
<laughs> you could probably uh, write a book on that one. <laughs> to me too. That's going to be interesting. I'll put a lot of thought into that for sure. Yeah, maybe that's a that's a fall podcast episode we can talk about. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. How I, how I how I ate during the during the fast packing trip. That'd be great. Oh, <laughs> um, what's your training like these days? Are you running quite a bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, enough sufficiently. Mm-hmm. And I apologize if you hear my dog in the background. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I think it's dinner time for her. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm probably somewhere hovering around like 50, 60 miles a week, uh, nice. which some might say is really high compared to theirs and, and others might say is really low. I think for me, that's, that's a good like base mileage. Um, and then I'll, I'll, you know, because I haven't signed up for a 50 or 100K yet for the, for this, uh, you know, late spring or, or sometime in the spring. Um, I know once I'll do that and, and have that kind of be my, my, my goal, I'll ramp things up until I do that. I'll just kind of keep a good base. Hmm. Um, so uh, I'll get after it, but yeah, keeping a good base and, and doing some kind of speed work at least once a week. Um, and then, yeah, once I, once I get something on the, on the calendar officially for the spring, I'll, I'll ramp things up and get to, uh, you know, seventies being my, my solid kind of weekly mileage, you know, of course a recovery week every now and then, and then, uh, kind of hit the eighties at some point. I, I don't tend to run anything above, you know, 85, uh, yeah. I just don't really have time for that to be honest. Right. Uh, and I've been just fine. I, you know, I'm not trying to win these races. I'm, I'm either trying to enjoy them. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I find I don't need to hit anything above 85. I won't even see too many of those weeks. I tend to live in the seventies. Um, but I'll, I'll do a couple harder ones just for that kind of stimulus, if you will. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of come back to seventies and live there just all around better for my lifestyle. I think. Totally. That's a good balance right there. Sounds like you're, you're on it. It sounds like you're in a good place. Yeah, Like you said, you, you learn these things over the years. So. Believe me, I've made that's, every that's mistake possible. You know, I've been around this sport <laughs> for a good decade or so, and, and I've made every mistake possible. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a journey, man. That's, it's all part of it. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, can you, before we get you out of here to go feed your dog, um, can you just give us like a broad stroke of like how people can, can eat healthier? Like what, what's kind of a general thing that everyone should do if they're trying to improve their nutrition, improve performance, or just live healthier? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, can I do this in like a, a three tips, uh, response? Is that totally. Cool? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. So these are some three tips I, I often uh, kind of leave people with here in, in these scenarios is, you know, I, I, we talked about at least two of them. The first one, hydration, it, it, it goes so, so far, right? It's, it's so important. It, it, inf- it affects how you sleep. It affects uh, how stable your blood sugar can be throughout the day. It affects your mood, right? When people are just chronically dehydrated, there's so much happening that they don't even realize, right? Because they're not thirsty. The body has been so used to that state of being that it no longer tells them that they're thirsty, even though they're in this chronically dehydrated state. And it's only when they're, when they get out of it and they start to, you know, properly hydrate themselves, um, that then they, then their body, like almost like kind of reawakens and like, Oh, now it's thirsty again when it should be. And now it knows, you know, when it, when you're not getting enough, it tells you, you know, you're thirsty. Um, I've just seen so many great quick kind of positive outcomes come out of someone properly hydrating themselves. Mm. And of course with, with, uh, with athletes, it's key, right? You, you, you know, to run your best self, you need to, you know, be properly hydrated. There's just no way around that. So that's tip number one. 
Tip number two, I mentioned fiber, right? I think um, that's just going to be like, I drive that home because it is so, it just is it's such a easy in the sense of that it's not complicated to kind of wrap your head around or remember even. Um, such an easy way to make sure you're eating uh, more healthier whole foods is just like, hey, work on your fiber intake, get it to around, you know, 40 to 50 grams. If you're above that, awesome, right? You're, 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 you're well above what most people are, which is, you know, most studies are saying that people are, are just chronically, um, I want to say deficient because you can get by without it, um, but chronically below kind of like recommended values in this country. Um, so yeah, can't speak enough about fiber. Third, colorful, eat colorfully, right? People have probably heard of this point or read about it, eat the rainbow, all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing, the only way to eat the rainbow right? Like envision like your bowl or your plate. The only way for that to even look colorful is to go out to the store and buy colorful foods. You know, it starts all, it all starts at the, at the grocery store or the farmer's market or wherever you're doing your grocery shopping. If you, you know, if you're struggling with, oh, but I'm going after, you know, I'm eating chips or I'm eating the sugars at night and, or, or I'm, I'm you know, I'm eating the same thing every day. Well, that's because that's what you're buying. You know, that, that's, just, that's just what it comes down to. You're buying the, the, the candies and you're stocking your pantry with it. You're buying the, the chips and salsa and, and it's there. So it's just, you know, that much easier for you to open the bag. Um, or you're not buying the super colorful, awesome, you know, well-varied types of foods that you want to be eating, but for some reason they don't end up on your plate you got to go and do the things, right? And again, it starts at the grocery store. And I know some people, you know, I live in a, I, I, I like to say I live in a Portland bubble where it's just like a food mecca here. We have an abundance of options. I get it. Not everyone probably has that kind of food access. Um, but I do think, you know, people can challenge themselves to go to the produce section and, you know, fill up their basket more with produce than they probably are currently doing. Or I'll some, sometimes just kind of simply challenge someone to uh, get like one or two either colors or you know other like healthy foods that you read about or that we're talking about that you haven't tried before. Do that for the next couple of weeks. Like figure out how to work them into your into your routine or into your meals. Um, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And and again, that's 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 the third tip because I think it's an important one. I think uh, you know in order for your actual nutritional intake to look however you want it to look, however your person is telling you it should look, it starts with what you literally go and, and buy and bring home. Um, you know, that's, that's it. That's it. Those are the three, the, the three big tips, the fiber, the, you know, optimizing how you're shopping uh, and, uh, and hydration. I think if, if, if you're on the beginnings of this journey, that is a journey for a reason. It's a lifelong thing. Your body changes over the years. Uh, you're always learning. Hopefully you're always changing and responding to, to how your body's changing. Um, if you're in the beginning of that journey, I think those three tips will, will kind of carry you a, a pretty long way. And if you're, you know, doing that work and you're realizing, man, I did not have those things dialed in. You're going to feel really good, you know, after probably even just like a month or two of being pretty consistent with it. Like you're going to feel like a new person. I'm, I'm, pretty confident in, in saying that nice 
You've given us a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate it, Will. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, my, my business name is On Pace Wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Instagram is pri my primary social media place, uh, which is just at On Pace Wellness. And then that uh, my main website is onpacewellness.com. So uh, just keep it simple for, for people. That's where you can find me. All my contact info is on my Instagram or on my website, you know, whether that's my number or message me or my email somewhere around there, uh, pretty easy to, uh, to get in contact with and yeah, highly responsive to people who, who, you know, are working with me or, or who want to work with me. Always excited to have those conversations. Very happy to just have a preliminary call with people. Just see if this is right for them. See if this is good timing, you know, learn what they want to focus on and see if, uh, if we're a good fit or if, you know, nutrition is probably something that can really help them with their goals. I love just talking about this stuff with people and, and just kind of being open and honest with them. Yeah. I can tell you've got a passion for it, man. And, uh, it's all good stuff. And I'm happy to announce that, uh, on pace wellness and big things crewing is, is sort of doing a little merge. And, uh, so if people hear this podcast and you're going to be sponsoring future podcasts as well. Um, you're going to be offering them a discount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, people who are listening in and they mention, you know, uh, uh, do big things podcasts or, or big things crewing, uh, then, you know, they can uh, get a 10% uh, discount for, for, you know, signing up with a, a plan with me or doing some kind of work with me. And we can kind of talk about that, them and I, but uh, yeah, happy to kind of offer that and, and excited about this partnership, Adam. Yeah, me too, Will. Boom. There it is, guys. Look them up. Uh, reach out to him. Um, get yourself on track. This is the guy to talk to. Um, he's open-minded. You know, there's not a, there's not a blanket diet for everyone. Uh, it sounds like he's a question asker and, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get to the root of it. So this is, this has been awesome, man. I've, I've learned a lot and I'm looking forward to chatting with you in the future, man. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Will. absolutely. Likewise, really excited to, to kind of join forces here and absolutely open to schedule another podcast and, and chatting with you and, and, you know, giving your viewers something to, to do and listen to while they're running and, and hopefully get something out of it. Yeah. I love it. hundred percent. There's more things coming for sure. So keep doing what you're doing and uh, we'll try and send some people your way. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed this conversation, man. So definitely stay in touch and uh, be talking to you soon. Will. Sounds great, Adam. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Excited about everything. All right. Go get that dog fed, man. <laughs> All right. Will do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Have a everyone. good one. We'll see you. Yep. You too. All right. All right. Before I get you guys out of here, I want to tell you real quick about big things crewing. Are you looking to increase your fitness? Are you thinking about your first marathon or ultra marathon? Or maybe you've signed up for an ultra and you're wondering how you're going to get it done. Maybe you just need someone to help you get started running altogether. Big Things Crewing can help. I started this company in 2019 with a goal of helping people achieve their dreams. We offer coaching programs and training plans from beginner to elite, as well as offer crewing and pacing for ultramarathon runners. Some of the best moments in my life were running ultras, and I could not have finished races like the Leadville 100, High Lonesome 100, or Western States 100 without high-quality pacers and crew. 
In fact, one of the things I love most about ultras is having your friends or family come out and help you. But if you want to do a big Colorado mountain race and you don't know anyone out here to lend you a hand in getting you to the finish line, we want to be, be the ones to help. We want to be of service. We've done the races. We know the courses. We've got the trucks to get to the backcountry aid stations. I've been in this sport for over a decade. And most of my friends have too. We know how to get you to rally and get you into that finish line. We want to help. We want you to do big things. Look us up, big-things-crewing.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast so you're notified when a new episode drops. If you like what you hear, please write us a five-star review. It helps us to be seen among all the other podcasts you could be listening to right now. Head on over to our YouTube page and subscribe there as well. Find us on all the social media platforms as Big Things Crewing. And as always, our website is big-things-crewing.com. I want to thank Athletic Brewing for making this possible. 20% discount code is McRobertsA20. And I'm hooking you guys up with a discount on the best non-alcoholic beer around. This stuff is so good, I can barely keep it in the house. I love this stuff. Uh, I also want to thank Will and On Pace Wellness for stepping up to not only talk to me today, but in supporting the podcast. If you want to dial in your nutrition and do big things this year, look up On Pace Wellness and mention this podcast for a 10% discount. Remember, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.